it's a blessing to have Ben and Jesse with us. I, I wasn't sure what year we started, 2017. Most, some of y'all are more familiar with Ben and Jerry's than Ben and Jesse, but, uh, but we, are, we are certainly appreciative of them. Uh, set your clocks back just a little bit. We have daylight save time coming up here shortly, I guess. Uh, just set them back about 10 minutes, and then uh, when you look at it, you won't sh shake you up so bad. Uh, we're in the series called Taking What Belongs to Us in the book of Joshua. Today I want to talk about spiritual upsets in Joshua 7, 1 through 11. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua, said to him, Do not let all the people go up. Let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. But about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them down from before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us. Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from, from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned and they have been also transgress my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the accursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Okay. I heard a story a long time ago about a man that was scared to fly on commercial airlines. And he said it was d during the time where there was a lot of bombs, terrorists, and things like that, and that was more prominent. He said, I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to take a chance. And he told his buddy one day, he said, I'm flying to so-and-so. He said, oh, so you're not afraid to fly on the airlines anymore? He said, no, I did a little research. And the odds of somebody having a bomb on that plane is 50,000 to 1. So I felt a little bit better. He said, so that made you decide to go? He said, no, I did a little more research. That didn't convince me. And the chance of two different people on that airplane having a bomb the odds are two million to one. So I take a bomb on there every time I go on a flight. Anyway, some people like to play the odds, and we all want to play the odds from time to time. Listen to some of this. If you're a racehorse fan, Man of War had won 20 of its races and got finally upset in 1919. The odds were 100, and 100 to one, and he was upset, upset by a horse called Upset. Uh, in 1990, Buster Douglas beat the invincible Mike Tyson in his heyday. 
and it was 42 to 1 long shot. In 1980, the U.S. hockey team beat the mighty Russian team and won the Olympics. It was one of the great upsets in history. Israel's used to fighting battles where the odds are against them, where the chances of them look very bleak on the outside. Whenever the Midianites, they were going to go against the Midianites, I think there was 135,000 Midianites and about 32,000 Israelites. And God said, I don't like those odds. And he brought them down to 300. That would be like just for every one Israelite, there were 450 Midianites. That's pretty tough odds to overcome. Of course, it wasn't for God. In more recent years, in 1967, the Arab nations never recognized Israel as a legitimate nation in their midst. But things began to stir up, and, and uh, Israel's Prime Minister Golda Meir was trying to work out a, some kind of peace negotiation with some people, and Egypt's Nasser was not having anything to do with it. And on May the 15th, which was Israel's Independence Day, like our 4th of July, Egypt's Nasser put his troops on the southern border. Syria had been bombing in the Golan Heights, the northeast section up there. Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and Egypt. On the 22nd of May, Nasser closed off the Strait of Tehran and put Israel in a very difficult situation. And so they did not wait to be attacked. They, they had a preemptive attack. They whipped out, they knocked out 90% of, Israel, of Egypt's air force before they ever got off the tarmac. And to make a long story short, after six days, it was the six-day war, after six days, the United Nations, everybody was saying, we've got to have a peace treaty. We've got to stop this, because they were putting a whipping against some insurmountable odds. 20,000 Arabs were killed. Only 1,000 Israelis were killed. They were up against some formidable odds against them. They gained the Golan Heights from Syria. They took the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt, and they got the West Bank from Jordan. And Israel, uh, some of their warriors and officers were in the streets, not only praising and dancing before the Lord, but saying, our God fought for us. Now, just the opposite's taking place in our lesson today. Israel should easily whip this little hick town called Ai. And they said, we don't even have to send all our troops there. This is, is going to be simple. And they got a whipping, and we want to see why they were upset spiritually because sometimes we're going to get upset spiritually if we're not careful. So let's look at it. The cause of spiritual defeats, the complacency after the victory at Jericho. Joshua 1, I mean 7, 1 starts off with a three-letter word that's very dangerous. It's a conjunction. A conjunction is one of those words they taught us in grammar that joins two sentences or two thoughts. But the word is but. And so that means... What he's just said in chapter 6, the victory of Jericho, is fixing to change in chapter 7. They're going to go from the mountaintop to the valley. They're going to go from the thrill of victory to the agony of defeat. They're going to go from uh, shouting the praises to singing the blues. They made a major accomplishment when they conquered Jericho. If they didn't get past Jericho, they wouldn't be able to conquer uh, the promised land that God had given to them. They had to get by the mighty fortress of Jericho. They got through that. They followed God's directions. And now they're coming up a little small town that wouldn't be any, just a pushing, you know, pushover. Now here's something I didn't realize until I was studying this. 
This is the only time Israel was ever defeated while they were trying to conquer the promised land during Joshua's time. This is the only time, I'm not saying it's the only time it happened, it's the only time it's mentioned that they lost any people in a war. And I'm sure they probably did, but this time it tells you how many they lost. Israel never had any problem defeating enemies when they followed God's command. Never. The only reason they had problems, and we're going to find out by the end of Joshua, is they decided, we're tired of fighting, let's just coexist with some of these people. Let's just live and, why can't we all just get along? And that was their downfall. They, they, they won every time because God led them in battle. So they were very overconfident. Now, let's look at the overconfidence of the people in verse 2 and 3 real quickly. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai, and they returned to Joshua, said to him, Do not let all the people, don't, let's don't let everybody have to go up there. Let's don't, let them rest, take, take a break. Uh, we just take two or 3,000, go up there, and we'll take care of Ai. And don't worry, all the people, for the people of Ai are just a few. It's a small group. Okay, they were very confident. Uh, now, they sent out spies to check it out, just like they did Jericho. But this time, Joshua wasn't getting his battle plan from God. He was just listening to his people, his leaders, his spies. You've got to be careful that there's nothing wrong with being confident as long as you're confident in the Lord. Nothing wrong with boasting as long as you're boasting in the Lord. I'll make my boast in the Lord. Nothing wrong with having joy as long as it's joy of the Lord. And you're speaking faith of the Lord. But the Bible also says, He that thinketh he stands, take heed lest he fall. Joshua got his orders. Nothing wrong with listening to people. The Bible says there is safety in a multitude of counselors. But Joshua did not really hear from God on this, and he's listening to these people, and they're fixing to make a bad mistake. They're going to do something that's not good. All right, they had a disregard for the Word of God. God had already told them whenever he went to the battle against Jericho, do not take any spoils. Now, we always know that the Bible says to the victor, or we've heard the old saying, to the victor go the spoils. God will allow his people to have spoils from time to time in their battles. But on Jericho, he said, do not take any spoils. Look at Joshua 6, 19 and 24. All the silver and the gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Whatever we, whenever we take over Jericho, everything we collect is going to the treasury of the Lord, first and foremost. Then he said this. But they burned the city and all that was in with fire, only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Okay, looks like everything's going according to plans. Now, in times past, God always allowed them to take a spoil. Look at Numbers 31 in Deuteronomy. And the children of Israel took the women of Midian captive with their little ones and took as spoil all their cattle, all their flocks, and all their goods. They said, we won this thing, we're going to take this. Look what he said in Deuteronomy. But the women, the little ones, the livestock, and all that's in the city, all that's full, you shall plunder for yourself. This is God telling them, you can have this for yourself, and you shall eat the enemy's plunder, which the Lord your God gives you. Okay, so that was, is really a picture of tithing. God says, I want the first and the best off the top. Not your leftovers. 
He said, you bring that to me, you consecrate it to me, that belongs to me. Most people never have understood that. They've always said, if I have any money left over, I'm going to give it to the Lord. God says, I don't want your leftovers. I want the first, and then you have to trust me for the difference. Well, anyway, that's a picture of that in many different ways. Anyway, Achan, one of the men, went in there, and he plundered some of the stuff and hid it up under his tent and disobeyed God. Nobody knew it except him and his family. Okay, and that was the sin. And that's why when they went to Ai, after that sin at Jericho, taking the spoil, Ai was a loss for them, a, a humiliating loss. Uh, the Bible says you're not going to get away with anything with God. Your sins will find you out. He sees a sparrow that falls to the ground. It does not catch him by surprise. He sees everything. I think of the many different times in the Bible. He's going along there. There's a crowd of people everywhere. And he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, I see you. Get down from here. I'm going to your house. He doesn't miss anything. Uh, he's watching a bunch of people give an offering. And he tells somebody, he says, that little widow woman gave more than everybody else. He doesn't miss anything. He sees it all. He looked at... Uh, he's under a trial, it's dark, it's night, early hours of the morning, Simon Peter's trying to follow what's going on, and they're saying, Peter, you were one of, those, one of his disciples. He said, no, I wasn't. He, he did that three times. After the third time, Jesus looked around at him, said, I saw you, son. Felt like a thousand knives went through Peter. God does not miss anything. You can't hide it from him. Ashley Madison was a website that uh, in 2015, what it was is a website to show people how to cheat on their spouse and have a little fun on the side and not get caught you didn't want to leave your spouse but you wanted to have some extracurricular activity and that website was broken into in 2015 and the people said we're going to we're going to release all the names and they did and the public saw the names of the people that were playing that game that next sunday 400 pastors resigned their church and some deacons and elders and others you will be caught. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein. And I know we, we don't catch anybody now because they don't release anything because most of them come out of Washington or Hollywood and they ain't going to release that too easily. But you will, be, you will be caught by God. Your sin will find you out. Now here's what's going on, the disobedient one. Achan, his name means trouble, and he brought a lot of trouble uh, to the people. He stirred up a lot of trouble for this nation. Because of his sin and disobedience, they're going to lose the next battle and lose 36 men in the process. How can one person cause this much damage? I'm going to give you a little illustration. If you've never heard of this person, you raise your hand. Taylor Swift. Uh, I guess everybody's heard of Taylor Swift. I, was, I kind of felt that might be the case, but I thought there may be somebody hadn't heard of her. Now, if you were to say, can you name one of her songs, I'd give you a million dollars. I'd lose out on that a million dollars. I couldn't tell you. But she's probably the most popular person in America in many ways. I'm going to read you and tell you why. She's dating a boy that plays football for the Kansas City Chiefs, Travis Kelsey. He's the tight end, number 87. They're playing in the Super Bowl, the tight. Most of y'all won't see that because you're going to be at church. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to let you know that's going on tonight. Uh, but anyway, anyway, she started dating him in the middle of the season. Now, she's got a following. 
Listen to this. She has over 280 million Instagram followers. 280 million. More than 51 million subscribed to her YouTube channel. Over 70 billion streams of her songs on Spotify. 70 billion times. Her Eras tour, I guess I don't know if it's a tour she's on or she just got off, is expected to gross over $4 billion. That's with a B. Travis Kelsey, her boyfriend from Kansas City, his number 87 jersey, as soon as they started dating, the sales of his jersey increased 400%. The Chiefs' Instagram follower count rose by 200,000 in the week she started dating him. Kelsey's Instagram followers, his count went up by 2.5 million just because of that. Uh, the regular season games have seen a 9% increase in female viewers. 53% increase among girls 12 to 17, 24% increase among those 18 to 24, and 34% of those 35 and older. Apex Marketing Group says they predict that $331.5 million have come into the Chiefs and the NFL because of her dating this boy and how much attention and how many people's bought things and how viewership and all has increased because of one person. Now, some of you struggle with this, the book of Joshua, because you say, I just can't believe God would wipe out the men, women, children, animals, and all this kind of, you struggle with that. We talked about that last week. This is what I struggle with, how one person's sin affected the whole nation. The whole nation. Now, this is a principle that you're going to see throughout the Word of God. King David. King David, God told him, don't number, don't number the army. You don't need to know how big your army is. I'm the one that fights for you. He numbered them anyway. And God says, okay, you're fixing to get a spanking. And he said, I'll give you three choices. You can have seven years of famine or three months uh, running from your enemies or three days of pestilence? Which one you want? He said, I'll take the three days of pestilence. He did, and 70,000 people died because of him. Jonah. Jonah's supposed to go to Nineveh and preach the word. Nineveh's that way. Jonah said, I'm going that way. He got on a boat going the opposite way. They had a bad storm, and Jonah's asleep in the boat, and the men's out there fighting for their life, think their life's about over. He said, get out of here and help us. And he finally come out and he said, y'all, I know why we're in a storm, because I'm rebelling against God. You throw me overboard, and it'll, it'll, everything will calm down. And they fought a little while, and they threw that joker overboard, and things calmed down. One man was bringing a lot of problems to other people. In 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses the church at Corinth. There was one boy, one man, shacked up with his stepmother. And Paul said, I can't believe you people are letting this go on, a little leaven, leaven up the whole loaf. Get him out of here. It's going to affect the whole church. One person can affect, affect many. This is, this is a hard concept for us to understand. You can look the other side. Sometimes one person can affect many for good. Man, think of it this way. Remember, me, remember, uh, you remember Abraham. Abraham's out in the desert having a good day. He looks up and sees three people walking to him. One of them's the Lord and two angels. They have a good meal together. And finally, as they're leaving, he's walking them out. And they say, let me tell you something, Abraham. We want to tell you this. We're fixing to go take care of Sodom. 
that's going to be done with. And he said, wait a minute, I've got family over there. If there's 50 people, would you not destroy it? He said, we won't destroy it if there's 50 righteous people. There wasn't. How about 45? How about 40? How about sound like an auction? 40. He kept going down over and over and over again. And they didn't even have 10 righteous people to spare it. So if you just have a few sometimes, it can affect, on the positive side, can affect a lot of people. Can you say, praise God, one man died for the sins of the whole world? And we're glad of that. Okay, so anyway, this is what's taking place. Why is this such a bad thing? Well, it's dishonoring God. This sin dishonored God, so God couldn't bless them. They got whipped, and it made everybody say, wow, Israel's God not, all not, not that big after all. It brought dishonor to God. It caused a defeat to the people. They were riding high after Jericho. God's going to help us take this property that belongs to us. And now we just got whipped by a nobody. It took the wind out of their sails. It brought death to one of some of the people. 36 people died in that battle at Ai. You say, well, 3,000 people, only 36 people died. That's 1.2%. That's not that bad. It would be if it, one of those 36 were one of my family members, it would be bad. That's what's taking place. Now, let's look at it. The addressing of spiritual defeats, the defeated Ai, verses 6 through 9. We won't read it right now. Ai is about 15 miles from Jericho. Uh, they think this is going to be an easy victory. Easy victory. Uh, now, I've told you all before, I'm not one of those that, it doesn't matter if we win or lose, if we just play and have fun. No, I want to win if I'm going to play. I don't like to lose, never have liked to lose. I heard a story, y'all told this joke, I've heard this joke before, but one little boy went to the, for the judge because his parents were beating him. And uh, the judge says, how often do they beat you? He said, every day, two or three times a day. And he had scars and bruises and uh, things like that. He said, well, we're going to take you away from your kids, um, from your parents, and put you with somebody else, and your parents are going to be punished for this, the way that you've been beaten. He said, we're going to put you with your aunt and uncle. He said, no, they beat me too when I go over to their house. He said, well, how about your grandparents? No, my granddaddy and grandma, they, they beat me too. He said, well, where are we going to put you? He said, send me to the University of Florida. They can't beat anybody. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> and I say that because I'm a gator, but that seems to be the case. Anyway, <clears throat> they, they took a bad loss. <laughs> They took a bad loss at Ai. Now, when the news came back to Joshua, he said, what's going on? Look at how Joshua responded in verse 6. Joshua tore his clothes, fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. Now, this is not unusual to tear your clothes. Uh, this is a sign of suffering, grief, pain, sorrow, Put dust on your head. You're just dust anyway. It's a sign of humiliation and so forth. He's, he's tore up. He's pitching a fit, looks like. And uh, this is very common. David, when they got word back to David, said, just want to let you know your friend Jonathan and his dad Saul have been killed in battle. That's what David did. Elisha, right after he took the mantle, when Elijah went up to heaven in the fiery chariot, it was a great day, but he ripped his clothes and began to... Sorrowful. 
because Elijah was gone. Job, he did the same thing when he lost his children, lost his, his wealth, he lost his health, he lost everything, and boom. I could see Job, he was under some tremendous suffering. Mordecai, when the word got back to him that Haman was going to destroy, wipe out the entire Jewish nation, he did the same thing. Paul and Barnabas, when they were told by the people of Lystra, they wanted to make them, they said, the gods have come here among us, they wanted to worship them as God, they began to rip their clothes, they said, no, you're not going to do that. So this is a common expression of grief and sorrow and turmoil. So he had remorse. Then in verse 7, he begins to review. He begins to look back over what's going on. What caused this? Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over to Jordan at all to deliver us to the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Circle that verse. Here's what he's saying. You remember this now, Joshua and Moses, for 40 years while they're wandering in the wilderness, all they ever heard from the people, every time times got hard, was, I wish you to let us stay in Egypt. I wish we could go back to the bondage we had. That was better than dying out here in the desert. They said that over and over again. Joshua had heard that many times. Now, here's what Joshua was saying, Lord, maybe we should have stayed on the other side of the Jordan River and not come into the promised land. He's discouraged. That sounds like a man. There's a lot of people who are like that. I would rather, I'd rather not, I'd just rather play it safe and not have to fight any battles and just live comfortably here. If you're not willing to fight, you're not going to ever have any victories. They're, say, they're saying, just, man, maybe it's better for us to just stay. We don't have to have the promised land. We don't have to have what you provided for us. We'll just stay on this side of Jordan and live in peace and not have all these battles. I won't go into it much but i think it was last week they said wow we've got a bipartisan deal for the border the republicans i can't believe y'all are not supporting this you finally wanted to do something about the border crisis and now you're not even supporting it. and it died yes it died i hope everybody realizes you let me say this you can't hardly believe anything the mainstream news media says just about not everything, but I'm saying 95% of it. Most people don't realize, why didn't they go along? We want to do something about the border problem, illegal immigration, all that. Well, it was a $118 billion bill. 4.3 went to Taiwan. 14 point something went to Israel. 60 went to Ukraine. And 20 went to the border. It was just packed full of a bunch of stuff. And here's the thing. There's so many coming across the border. In this bill, they said, if, if, if it's over 5,000 a week coming in, then we're going to try to stop it after that. That's really a, that's really a good border deal. It, once it hits over 5,000, we're going to really put it in. But we'll let, that'd be like saying, you've been stealing 10,000 a month from my business. I'm only going to let you gonna steal 8,000 from here on now. I'm going to try to stop this. It's stupid. Well, what it is, they're, they're trying to compromise, and that's what, that's what Joshua is saying now. Hey, maybe it's just better if we just don't even come over here and try to take any property. He's really discouraged. Uh, he says, man, we're going to have trouble anyway because the other nation's going to see how weak we are. We see what it's like when you have weak leadership. The other nations take note of that. Okay, here's the third thing. Rebuke, verses 10 through 12. 
So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? It's time to get up, he said. Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken some of the cursed things and have both stolen and deceived, and they have put it among their own stuff. So he says, Joshua, get off your face. I see you're broken and your heart, you know, your heart's breaking and everything, but it's time to get up. He said, he said in verse 12, if you don't deal with this and destroy it, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Verse 12, neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Yeah. All right, let's, let's talk about dealing with things in our life that causes us to have spiritual defeats. First of all, they called out this old boy, Achan. Verse 16 through 18, I want to talk about confessing sin for just a moment. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he also brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah was taken. He kept whittling it on down, tribe by tribe, family, clan, everything like that, until he got to Achan. He called out Achan, and Achan confessed, I did it. I will say this for Achan. He took it like a man. He didn't just, like a lot of people today, they just keep lying and fight to the bitter end. He said, look, I did it. I did it. I took, I took the stuff. I knew I was supposed to do it. Look what he said in verse 20 and 21. And Achan answered Joshua, said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. He's not trying to mince it. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. He said, I've, there it is, I've hidden it. I did, I took it. I give him credit for that. Um, let me give you three things to do when you sin, and when you fail that we don't talk about much. Don't redirect your sin. In other words, don't blame everybody else for your sin. Take responsibility for it. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. Moses comes down from the mountain, sees they've they built an idol, a golden calf. He blamed Aaron. Aaron blamed the people. Pontius Pilate's in there. All the people wanting him. He said, who do y'all want me to give you, Barabbas or Jesus? Anyway, he washed his hands. He said, well, see, I have nothing to do with this. My hands are clean. I don't have nothing. It's so easy not to take responsibility and always put the blame somewhere else. Don't redirect your sin. Don't overlook your sin. There's a lot of people that don't deal with sin because they think, well, I'm a Christian now. It's not a big deal. You're going to have to repent to, to stay in fellowship with the Lord. You've got to repent all through your life. I mean, it's not a big thing where you're getting saved every day, but I'm saying if you allow the little things to creep up and you just brush them off, then it's going to put a little bit of wedge between you and the Lord, and you won't know why, what's happened. You've got to deal, be sensitive, deal with things on a regular basis. Repentance is not a one-time thing to get saved. It's, you do that the rest of your life to stay close and walk in fellowship with the Lord. Do confess your sin. Now, David, whenever he sinned, he covered it up. Until somebody come and pointed it out to him, Nathan the prophet. 
But look what David said in Psalm 32, 3 through 5. Then I kept silent. My, bro- my bones grew old through my groanings all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. Here's a man that's struggling because he's keeping, keeping his mouth shut. My, vita- my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. It's a whole different thing when he was trying to cover up and keep quiet versus confessing and, and letting God have it. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. We got a God that's merciful. We got a God that's forgiving. He just wants us to be real. You can't hide stuff from him. The more open you are, the real, and you call it like it is in your life and deal with it, repent from it, God's full of mercy. Most people don't do that. Some people just keep doing the same thing over and over again. I saw a little meme one time of a, the prodigal son. Uh, his father was there. Uh, his, his prodigal son was coming back, and he was getting a little frustrated. He said, look, this is the eighth fatted calf I've killed this month. I'm running out of calves for you. So he, he was wanting to come back for a party again, but sometimes you've got to eventually deal with this stuff. And so they, they got Aiken, and he went to his tent and pulled out all the evidence and what he had stolen. And here's the consequences of sin, verse 25 and 26. I'm winding down as quick as I can. Joshua said, Why you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones till there was to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. Now, this is where it gets a little controversial again, too. He confessed. Lord, let him go. He confessed. He admitted it. God forgives us of our sin immediately when you confess. But the consequences may remain. He may not just erase the consequences of what you've done. Think about that. He came clean. You would think God would just let it go. Okay, we'll go now. No problem. He still had to deal with that. Look at Deuteronomy 24:16 and Ezekiel 18:20. Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. This is where it gets controversial. Why in the family getting killed? with this man the soul whose sin shall die the son shall not bear the guilt of the father nor the father bear the guilt of the son the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself every man for himself uh, we've just seen this one man cause the whole army to lose and 36 people to die and now they're going to kill him and they're going to kill his wife and kids why well that's a very good question because Every man has to answer for himself. He just got through saying, kids ain't going to have to answer for the father, and the father's not going to have to answer for his kids like that. And not only stone him, but then burn him. There's only two or three explanations, and I'll try to give them to you. One, his sin was so grievous it affected the whole nation. Number two, he cost 36 men their life. It was pretty pretty grievous. He stole from God directly. This was supposed to be God's. God sent a message to all of Israel about this. 
can't give you a simple answer, but I believe parent, apparently his wife and kids were, were aware of what was going on. They didn't report it. So guilt by association uh, or whatever. They knew they had this stuff under their tent. It's hard to hide something like that. And so they were keeping quiet. They didn't actually get in there and steal the stuff, but they were guilty too, so the whole family had to go. I heard one time of a guy stood before the judge, and he said, the judge said, I'm going to be merciful to you, but I'm going to pronounce judgment. You're going to die, but I'll give you a choice. You can die of firing squad, be hung, or the electric chair. Which one of those choices you want? He said, can I have a fourth one? He said, what's the fourth one? He said, old age. That's where most of us would like to go. But they didn't have a choice in this. Let me wind this down and say this. Last summer, I don't remember if it was six or seven weeks, sometime around July, August, uh, we was preaching on eschatology, last days and things, but I took about six or seven weeks and talked about something called AI, artificial intelligence. You remember that? Uh, how it's changing our world, everything. And a lot of it was great, and some of it's frightening. I mean, we're talking about everything from driverless cars to robots operating on people to uh, police, agriculture, medicine, religion. I mean, it's permeating everything. Intelligence and, and knowledge is increasing exponentially. It's got a lot of good points, a lot of frightening points. Elon Musk said this, the dangers of AI are much greater than the dangers of nuclear warheads. Vladimir Putin, who Tucker just interviewed, he said, whoever becomes a leader in AI will rule the world. China's been putting $150 billion a year in artificial intelligence. The United States has been putting $10 billion a year in it. I believe, personally, AI is going to usher in the one world government, currency, and everything. So it's moving in that direction. But the AI we're talking about here today, not the artificial intelligence, but the little hick town that whipped God's people, that's the thing you better be concerned about more than the other right now. Because when you start getting overconfident, start leaving God out of your plans, start thinking you can handle things yourself, start covering up things in your life that need to be exposed if you're going to walk close with God, you start doing that, you're in for a lot of AIs. A lot of AIs. Would you stand with me? We're going to do two things and close out. In just a moment, I'm going to pray. We've got, a bunch, uh, we've got two wonderful missionaries here today. We've also got some missionaries from our church that's fixing to go out to Brazil, and we're going to pray for them. But would you pray with me before we go to, go to that point? Bow your heads. AI is a big thing in the life of a child of God. It's the little battles that we don't think we need God. It's the little things that we do on our own. It's the little things that we hide. The little things that we think God's going to overlook that affects whether we're going to be upset time and time again by little things that shouldn't be upsetting us. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone here. First of all, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have any future. You don't have any 
any hope. Jesus came. One man paid the price for the whole world, for all of us. If you don't know Jesus, you admit to yourself, would you raise your hand and just say, I need prayer. Anybody here today says, I'm not sure where I stand with the Lord. We're just going to take a moment. That's the battle that's been won for us. I pray. I pray everybody here knows it. But you better be conscious of the things in your life that you can handle yourself that will bite you and will not only affect you, but it'll affect your loved ones, your children, your family, your friends, your church. It'll affect a lot of people. That's the, that's the deceptive side of sin. Let me, call, let me call down Gil and Brad, Candace, and Anne-Marie. If y'all would come on down front. These are our missionaries that's going out this Thursday, going to Brazil. Uh, and we're praying, we're going to pray for God to use these, you anoint them. And, and Peggy, Peggy and Brad's going to be going in, uh, to the Philippines here in a few weeks afterwards. If you want to come and let's pray for them, we're going to close out. But we're going to pray for them and ask God to anoint them, protect them, use them for his glory, and, be, and God will be glorified in all that's done. Stretch your hands this way if you would. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Gil. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his vision. And we thank you for his willingness, his willingness, Lord, to follow you. God, continue to lead him. Open up doors for him in Brazil. That's his old home place. God may truly see the hand of God work there. I pray for Brad. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, thank you for his sincerity. He's willing to go wherever you give him an opportunity to go. And I pray, Father, even when he's got other things going on at home in his own family, he's saying, Lord, here am I. Send me. I pray, God, use him for your glory. Use him, Lord, for your glory. Pray for Peggy, Lord, as her and Brad go in a few weeks. God, that you would use them in the Philippines. God, that you would help them, Lord, to, to open up doors for them, Lord, that they would say, look what God is doing and what God will do through me when I let him. And I pray, Father, for Candace, Lord, and Anne-Marie, both of these. Lord, thank you for these women. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness and their willingness, Lord. They have concerns, I'm sure, and they wonder, Lord, what can I do? What can you do with me? I pray, Father, God, may they be confident in you. May they not shrink back, but may their faith in you say, hey, I'm a child of God. God can use me just like he can use anyone else. God, may your spirit rest upon each one of these as they go forward. And may you be glorified and smile on them. And may we say, thank you, Lord, for lives that are changed. For the name of Jesus is glorified and lifted up. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. God bless you all.